Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today, I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that is familiar to most people today, although most people think of it in a very limited way as just a set of exercises or perhaps some stretching. And in reality, it's a much broader system that really has to do with a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. And our topic today is aging with strength and grace. How can yoga help us to age with strength and grace? What benefits does yoga provide for our bodies, minds, and spirits? Numerous studies now confirm what many yoga practitioners have known from their own experience. Yoga practice has a remarkable impact on physical and mental health and spiritual well-being as we grow older. My guest today is Dr. Baxter Bell, MD, who has been deepening his understanding of yoga and relaxation since making the move from a career as a family doctor to that of a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and medical acupuncturist. Baxter has written articles for Yoga Journal, Yoga Therapy Today, and the International Journal of Yoga Therapy. He's co-founder and contributing writer for the blog, Yoga for Healthy Aging. Baxter teaches public, corporate, and specialty back care yoga classes in Oakland and Berkeley, California, as well as workshops and retreats around the country and internationally. He co-authored with Nina Zotolo the new book, Yoga for Healthy Aging, A Guide to Lifelong Well-Being. Baxter is also a board member of the International Association for Yoga Therapy. You can find out more about Baxter and the Healthy Aging blog at his website, BaxterBell.com. So welcome, Dr. Baxter Bell. I'm delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thanks, Laurel. I'm excited to be here also. So before we begin our dialogue about aging with strength and grace, let's start with a, a yoga moment. Let's take a moment to walk the walk, practice what we preach, and just take the second to turn our attention within. Oh.
So as we take this moment and turn our attention within, let's begin with something that's always with us, our breath. So let's start by taking a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Our breath can really help us to bring our attention and awareness to the present, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. We just observe the breath, not trying to change it, just noticing its natural flow. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. With each inhale, we allow ourselves to dive within. And with each exhale, we relax. As we dive within, we can open our heart to the essence of our being. Yoga teaches that one reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here, and right now, this divine essence is present. As you, as me, as everyone and everything It's within us, between us, and all around us. And just by being present and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We can watch our thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We can become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation, pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessings for everyone we meet as we continue on our day. Once again, Baxter Bell, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm so delighted that you could join me today, and I have really been enjoying your book, Yoga for Healthy Aging, A Guide to Lifelong Well-Being. So let's talk about the book for a minute. So what inspired you to write it? Um, About six and a half years ago, uh, my co-author, Nina Zolotov, and I um, decided that we had a lot of information and practical experience with our combined many, many years of practicing yoga, and we wanted to have a way to deliver that to folks. And so we decided to start a blog, which we did, and committed to posting five days a week on a variety of topics, and many of which included this idea of how to stay healthier as we get older. And after a while, we realized we had uh, gathered quite a bit of information. We had written about a, a, a large variety of topics, and certain recurrent themes had started to show up for us in our writing, uh, which included um, some of the basic tenets we'll talk about today in terms of the three pillars of yoga for healthy aging and the four physical skills and the importance of brain and heart health. So 
once that became clear to us, um, we actually started have, having some folks approach us about writing a book, and we didn't take the very first offer that came our way, but we eventually were approached by the fabulous people at Shambhala mm-hmm. Press, and it was a really beautiful um, uh, uh, a marriage of their vision of yoga and meditation and our writings on the topic. So about two years ago, we had this opportunity to write a book, and we just released it on December the 15th, 2017, and it's been really exciting to see folks uh, getting the book and already starting to use it right away in their lives. As I was mentioning to you before we came on the air, it was very timely that you released it in mid-December because it allowed me to give it as a as a Christmas gift to a friend who has right. really also also really <laughs> been enjoying it. So, yeah, well, one of one of the things I was I was uh, very interested in the. Um, material that you had in the book was it was about the aging process itself mm-hmm. which is less well understood than i than i really realized and you list several factors involved in aging including stress molecular damage and inflammation which all interact with one another mm-hmm. And in fact, it's it's a pretty complicated interaction. You have a, a, a great diagram in the book that really looks like a, a spider web that tries mm-hmm. to capture some of that po- complexity. Right. <clears throat> yeah. You know, um, Nina's husband, Brad Gibson, uh, our, my co-author, her husband, um, is a scientist and he worked at the Buck Institute in Nevada, California, which is an institute that studies basic aging um processes. And, you know, when he got there, he discovered there were 20 or 30 different competing theories on aging, and nobody could agree on anything, really. Um, And so he he found that although he thought he was going to be diving into something that was well known, he realized it was going to be very interesting because there wasn't that much known, actually. And this was 15 years ago or so. Um, Mm -hmm. In that time period, there has been uh, a, a cross-fertilization taking place between different disciplines that study aging. And they're trying to come up with a more of a, a broader approach to aging in which you take into account a lot of the factors that you mentioned, plus others, and look at it as, as a very dynamic system. Uh, but still, even given that, we're still kind of at the beginning of our understanding of why we actually age. What what causes this? What Was there some sort of built-in clock? And what are the underlying mechanisms? So, you know, what's important to realize about that is uh, when you hear people talking about anti-aging products or practices, um, right now we don't even know how aging exactly happens. So how can <laughs> right. someone actually have a product that actually reverses it? So be a little bit skeptical. You know, in our in our approach to things, we're not talking about reversing aging. We're not talking about slowing down things. We're not even talking about extending the lifespan that you live. Mm-hmm. We're actually more interested in improving the quality of your life as you age as healthfully as you can. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really appreciated about your approach because you point out even though we don't fully understand the aging process, we do know, already know some things that help us stay healthy and that yes. those things really apply to people of all ages like staying physically active and eating a healthy diet. So again, even though I agree with your skepticism about you know some of the products, the anti-aging products, some of these basic things that no one's trying to sell us right. yeah. <laughs> actually really do work. Um, and I and I love the emphasis on doing what we already know to do, but doing it, doing what we can to live a longer, healthier life. And that's where yoga comes in. So what is yoga for healthy aging? Well, in yoga for healthy aging, it's uh, really a, a philosophy or a way of looking at life that has um, some underlying ideas and also has some tools in, a, in our yoga toolbox that I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Um, but a couple of things that we want to do is we want to um, maintain our independence as we get older. Um, we want to have a, a, a well-grounded sense of evenness of mind or equanimity to help us deal with the inevitable changes and difficulties that will arise in our lifetime. Um, and we want to uh, lengthen the amount of time during whatever our lifespan will be. We don't know what that is, of course. It could be 20 years or 100 years. Um, we know what the average is, of course, in, in the West, about 80 years uh, is the average lifespan. But we'd like to shorten the amount of time in which we're in ill health and increase the amount of time that we're in good health. So we apply our variety of yoga tools um, to help us in those three areas um, so that we can stay healthy much longer than we might otherwise. No, and that is such a good point, and I really appreciated that, that you really 
draw a distinction between lifespan and health span. Sure. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. this idea of compressed morbidity. So yes. can you talk about compressed morbidity sure. and how that relates to the dif- differentiation then between our lifespan and our health span? Absolutely. So morbidity is the times when we're actually ill or sick and not able to function to our maximum. And so, you know, you could have a period of morbidity when you were a young person. I had a couple of uh, patients when I was a family physician who had, uh, you know, significant illness when they were in their childhood and they were sick for a couple of years. Uh, they recovered and went on to live a pretty healthy um Uh, life up into their adulthood. Um, Other people might experience a period of ill health in middle age. Uh, More regularly, most people uh, stay pretty healthy generally until they're a little bit older, and then they might have a period of time in their older years when they start to have poor health and ill health and maybe suffer from some sort of a disease or condition that makes their uh, life challenging. So if we can acknowledge that all of us will in all likelihood have have some period of morbidity, and we can do everything possible, especially through our lifestyle practices like yoga, to compress that down into a smaller amount of time, that will extend our healthy periods to a longer amount of time than we would have otherwise. So lifespan minus our years of morbidity equals our health span. So it's kind of mm-hmm. a simple formula, but it's, it might help some of us to think about how, what we're actually going for and how we can uh, prioritize and set goals that are realistic for us to help in that process. Indeed. And you give as an example, uh, a, an example of uh, someone who was able to live independently and really only had the morbidity at the very end of their life. Um, yes. And I thought that was actually, it's a great, you know, it's a great model. Yeah, that would um, be a lovely goal for all of us, wouldn't it? We live a really super healthy life and then maybe we're ill for six months near the end of our life and then we transition to whatever comes next. Um, yeah. Again, that's not predictable. It's not going to be the way it is for everyone. But if we can uh, adopt some of the practices that we talk about in our book um, and make those a regular part of our lives, it's possible that we can head in that particular direction. I really liked your examining this idea of independence because uh, both you and I are trained as uh, Western physicians as well right. as our you know background in yoga. And from a Western medical perspective, independence is defined in terms of activities of daily living. And those focus on self-care activities like being mm-hmm. able to dress ourselves, get up and down from a chair, uh, being able to you know bathe ourselves, etc. And I was always struck that such a limited idea of of uh, independence. Right, yeah. Most of us wouldn't be happy with that, would we? (laughs) No, no, exactly. And so you talk about a broader definition of independence as we age. And what do you see are the essential aspects of that broader definition of independence? Yeah, so we really think that independence will be defined individually for each one of us. So it takes into account our particular preferences, our needs, and our goals. So although most of us need to be able to do our activities of daily living, most of us have other activities that we want to be able to participate in. We might like to get together with our friends for a bridge club once a week or go for a walk in the park uh, three or four times a week. We might even have uh, more physically demanding activities that we like to take a part in such as playing tennis or um, having some other sport activity that we like to do on a regular basis. And then we also have uh, things that give meaning to our life. So it might be the care of a pet or a loved one or volunteering for some organization in our community. And all these things actually require different degrees of independence, and therefore they're going to influence what that uh, term means for us individually. So one of the things that we encourage, or I encourage my students to think about is, you know, what are the essential qualities of an independent life for you, and can you keep those in mind as you're aging and work to maintain those very actively? Um, I think the book Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, MD, is another great um, adjunct for people who are trying to figure out what's really important to them as they get into their older age in particular. So if, if your listeners don't know about that book, I would encourage them to also check that out. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think that was uh, that's another uh, wonderful book on on aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you already mentioned once equanimity, and I, I thought that it was wonderful that you included this as one of the essential skills that we need as we age. Mm-hmm. So you define equanimity as being able to face difficulty and handle challenges with balance and grace. Mm-hmm. So um, can you say more about that? How does equanimity support healthy aging well i alluded to this already in the in the fact that um, as part of living life and getting older we will inevitably encounter difficulties um and that can throw us off our our balance point where we feel very grounded and stable and calm and peaceful um and 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 for a lot of adults uh, not even necessarily older adults but anyone confronted with those difficulties if they don't have skills that help them to rebalance their mental emotional uh state of being they can often start to suffer from uh, insomnia from digestive issues they can sometimes start to develop symptoms of depression and anxiety um, and we know that that can actually contribute to poor health if it continues for too long so by cultivating equanimity through a variety of different practices we actually develop the skill to acknowledge when we're uh, off our normal balanced state of being and have a way to bring ourselves back into that that state of homeostasis or balance um, that allows us to view things maybe a little more objectively and then know how to take care of ourselves in a really good way so that we can, you know, as I said, kind of get regrounded again and back to that balance point in a healthy way. Exactly. And I I, uh, personally have found yoga to be such a wonderful tool to help with equanimity, you know, all of the practices of yoga, yoga philosophy as well. And we're going to be touching more on that in the next section. But as a little preview, you already have mentioned that there's a yoga toolbox mm-hmm. that you offer for fostering healthy aging and lifelong well-being. So what are some of the tools in addition to yoga postures that are included in that toolbox? Uh, so our yoga toolbox, which does certainly recommend uh, using postures in a variety of different ways, um, some of them more active and some of them more gentle, um, also really puts an emphasis on other uh, fairly traditional practices in yoga that don't don't always show up on a regular basis in your public class that you might go to in the community. Um, but we really think that uh, pranayama and breath practices are very powerful and can be helpful both in calming our nervous system and also energizing us when we're feeling a little sluggish or uh, down. Um, meditation practices, which have been shown to have really quite profound effects on our overall health and very specifically with things like brain health and brain function. Um, and um, uh, in addition to that, um, uh, uh, also being uh, willing to invo- involve ourselves in community activities that might center around our yoga practice because we know that um, being involved in the community is also helpful for our brains as we age. So, you know, breath practices, meditation practices, asana practices, um, uh, and studying philosophy concepts that have practical value for us in our everyday lives can also be very important uh, tools in the toolbox of yoga for healthy aging. Yeah, that was a great, a great overview and summary. And as you mentioned, uh, again, most people when they go to yoga class only encounter the asana part of practice and many people think that that's all there is you know to yoga and one of the things i really appreciated in in your book is that you really do cover more than that you include breath practices and you know some of the yoga uh philosophy um you know philosophical concepts and and then this again focus on equanimity which again many of the yoga uh, practices really help with that so um i think that's a great pause place and we're going to come back and talk about many of those tools in the yoga toolbox you're listening to the yoga hour with our guest baxter bell md co-author with nina zolito of the book we're discussing today yoga for healthy aging a guide to lifelong well-being baxter is co-founder and contributing writer for the blog yoga for healthy aging you can find out more about baxter's book blog and teaching schedule at his website baxterbell.com we welcome your comments and questions you can contact us at yoga hour at unity.fm i'm dr laurel trujillo sitting in for yogacharya o'brien and 
When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about the Yoga Toolbox for Aging with Strength and Grace. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear the beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. The toll-free number is 1-800-NOW-PRAY. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Someone once said there are two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. Climb the tree or plant an acorn and wait. If we expect changes to happen in our lives, we may want to consider climbing. Plus, changes needn't be monumental. Sometimes it's as easy as an attitude shift. Life is what we bring to it. Do you have a job that seems less than exciting? When you walk through the door, bring joy with you. Life looks better when viewed through a positive attitude. Are you facing a health challenge or surgery? Get rid of your fears by focusing instead on spirit working in and through you. When you remember that with God, all things are possible, your outlook cannot help but change. Today, wherever you go, whatever you face, do so with joyous expectations. Release your inner splendor and allow the light and love of God to guide your way. This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. Finding time for the positive reminders in Daily Word is easy with the digital edition. Perfect for smartphones and readers on the go. Give it a test run with our 30-day free trial offer. Learn more at unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. 
Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. And I'm joined today by Dr. Baxter Bell, who trained as a family physician and is now a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and medical acupuncturist. Baxter is the co-author of the book we're discussing today, Yoga for Healthy Aging. And you can find out more about him at BaxterBell.com. So, uh, Baxter, in, in your book, you state, so for a truly independent life, you need to maintain a combination of four physical skills, strength, flexibility, balance, and agility, mm-hmm. which will allow you to be mobile and capable out in the world at large. You'll also need to maintain brain health and emotional stability so you can take care of yourself and continue to participate in the activities that give your life meaning. And I thought that was a really wonderful, you know, summary that people can come back to about those, those, uh, essential components for mm-hmm. healthy aging. And what's interesting is that yoga really deals with all of them. So it's the perfect prescription to build all those skills. Yes. <laughs> I agree. So I don't think it would be surprising to most people that, uh, yoga uh, asana practice or posture practice increases strength and flexibility, which again, I don't think most people would be surprised that those that strength and flexibility do decrease as we age. I think mm-hmm. even young, relatively young people <laughs> probably, probably, uh, have, you know, have figured that out. If we, you know, stop our practice for, you know, a month or so, we get busy or whatever and then go back to it. It's like, yeah. oh, um, hmm, I'm not bouncing back quite as quickly as I, as I used to. Yeah. So um, I did want to focus on balance, though, because balance is something that's kind of interesting to me. Um, while other skills can help, such as, you know, being stronger and, and more agile can help, um, balance is something that if you don't practice it, you know, add some kind of a balance practice, it is something that you can really lose. Mm -hmm. And losing our balance is often one of the big fears for people as we age. Fear of falling is often one of the factors that starts limiting our lives. So so how does uh, aging affect our balance and how can practicing yoga, particularly the balance poses, diminish those fears? Sure. So with all the systems of our body, um, there's at least a subtle impact over time with aging on the function of those systems. So balance is a combination of a variety of different factors that allow us to maintain good balance when we're standing still or when we're in movement. And that includes things like the uh, inner ear structures, the vestibular system in the inner ear, our visual system. Uh, the somatic sensory system of communication between our brain and our body and our muscles and the different neurons that, uh, and nerves that feed back information about our body position in space. Uh, the sensitivity uh, and the soles of our feet and our hands that give us information back and forth between the body. Um, uh, and even other senses that can impact our balance, such as our hearing level. So over time, if some or all those systems start to work less effectively, which can happen with aging, uh, then gradually, sometimes almost imperceptibly, our balance will start to become a little less solid, will become a little shakier, um, we'll have more difficulties uh, in uh, crowds uh, when we're trying to move through crowded spaces or uh, walk through a room that has a bunch of stuff on the floor. And as you mentioned, one of the problems is that people might actually experience falls as time goes on. And a common reaction to having fallen once, uh, whether or not the person is significantly injured or not, is that they'll start to become fearful of other activity. And uh, oftentimes those folks will start to back off on what they do instead of realizing there are proactive things and practices that they could start doing that would actually start to improve their overall balance. Um, so by focusing on the toolbox of yoga for healthy aging, especially the physical tools of uh, improving strength in particular, but also maintaining reasonable flexibility, which helps you to bounce back if you're if you're knocked off balance, um, and actually doing yoga poses and practices that 
challenge your edge of balance. So you get to the point where you're feeling a little unstable and then you have to self-correct. Um, and things that involve more dynamic movements that would be considered along the lines of improving agility, those four physical skills are very helpful in starting to improve people's overall balance. And even our breath practices and our meditation practices which can improve our concentration and mental focus, can come into play in everyday situations where we actually need to pay more attention and focus as we're trying to maintain our balance and moving through life. So even some of the practices that you might not think would help with balance could actually help quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, and I I, uh, appreciated what you were saying about how aging really causes this decline in many of those areas that have to do with our balance. And, you know, we don't really have a choice about that. We don't really have a choice about whether we're going to, you know, have a problem with our eyesight or, you know, over time. We don't really have a choice about if we're going to have problems with our hearing. Mm -hmm. But there are things that we can do to build in some more of that resiliency mm-hmm. um, that we've you know been mentioning that are very, very helpful. So, right. Uh, and, you know, I think we can identify the changes as they're happening. I mean, if my eyesight starts to get poor, obviously I'm going to go get glasses if that's a possible fix. If right. I have retinal damage at the back of my eye from long-time diabetes, I might not be able to do much about that. So if there's something I can't change in one of those multiple factors that influence balance, we can say, well, what can I influence? I can still stay strong even if my eyesight is poor. I can still work on balance in a safe environment like a yoga classroom where I can, you know, try things out in a setting that is not fearful where I get some good guidance from my teacher and some good feedback. And that could actually improve um, my proprioceptors, those nerves in my muscles and joints that give good feedback to my brain about my balance. Mm -hmm. So I I think that we can acknowledge things, and this is part of equanimity. Like we acknowledge change that's happening that we can't do anything about. And we also acknowledge the areas where we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's not a hopeless situation, but it's a situation that's realistic. We're acknowledging what's going on, and then we're trying some things to see if we can't still keep ourselves healthy over time. Yeah. So one of the other things that I really appreciated about the book was the focus on meditation and particularly the easy instructions that you give that help make meditation more accessible. So what are are some of the benefits that you see from meditation that help us as we age? Um, I think meditation is powerful on many levels. One of the things that you and I haven't talked about is the... um, the really deleterious or bad effects of ongoing chronic stress for so many people. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners can identify with this. Life uh, situations at work and at home, with family members and friends, um, in the uh, neighborhoods they might live in or, or have to live in. Um, all these different factors that can contribute to ongoing stress are really uh, detrimental to one's health and have been shown to contribute to the development a lot of to the a lot of the diseases of aging that we see happening in our country, including heart disease, hypertension, anxiety and depression, um, digestive issues, and on and on. So the list is quite long. Meditation is one of our essential tools in our section on stress management, which we also think yoga is excellent for, um, in bringing us back into a, a place of a greater ease on the mental-emotional level so that we can actually start to work with stress in a, in a more positive and productive way. So I think meditation has great benefits there. It's also been shown to be very powerful for brain health. Um, we know that um, regular meditators instead of losing the mass of their brain or seeing their brain shrink, have actually been shown to increase the thickness in different areas of the brain, such as the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus, which are involved in our everyday decision-making and our memory uh, formation. And so meditation is very powerful in keeping the brain healthy over time. Um, And I think as time goes on, we're going to continue to see other areas that we were not expecting to see meditation help also help. So I think, you know, it's such a simple practice in some ways, and maybe it seems like you're not doing a lot while you're doing it, uh, but it turns out that it's actually quite powerful. Yeah, you know, I I, uh, 
I love that uh, image of actually maintaining or increasing, you know, the the uh, um, size or, you know, uh, retarding the shrinkage of those areas of the brain uh, mm-hmm. just by this simple practice, you know, of meditation. Yes. So that's wonderful. And of course, the, the, um, the stress-reducing aspects. One thing that I also really appreciate about meditation practice is, is it, it really helps me with equanimity, which we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about already. Yes. You know, just that ability to um, not be quite so caught up you know, in things. It, it helps me create just a little bit more space. Mm-hmm. So if something happens, uh, if I have a meditation, uh, regular meditation practice, a steady meditation practice, something happens that's upsetting. And of course, things happen upset that are mm-hmm. upsetting all the time. Yeah. Um, but instead of just reacting to that, you know, stressful or, you know, negative, you know, um, occurrence in my life, if I have the meditation practice, it allows me to just have that little bit of distance that I can mm-hmm. just kind of take a breath, you know, right yes. then and look at it from a different perspective that I think right. really helps me maintain, you know, that equanimity. Yeah. And, you know, studies on stress, uh, people who have had uh, long uh, ongoing stress or post-traumatic stress disorder um, have shown that they're their choices when they do react are pretty limited to things like fight or flight or defend or retaliate. Um, and when people practice meditation regularly, you have that momentary pause when you acknowledge the reality of anger or fear or worry or whatever the strong emotion might be that, that throws your equanimity off. But usually there's that little space in which your your possible choices of how you might respond to that are much more vast than the person yes. who's reacting from the stress response. So, you know, you might be able to react with humor or you might be able to react with generosity uh, in a situation where you might not have done so before. So right. uh, as Dan Libby, who we quote in the book, who's a psychologist and works with veterans around the country using yoga as a great tool for them, he, he points this out that, boy, our, our thought uh, repertoire expands dramatically and we have much much better choices that we can make in those difficult situations. The one barrier that many people find to meditation practice is that people think it needs to be done in a very quiet place. <laughs> and, yes. and for some people's lives, they just don't have that quiet place. Right. So right. what do you teach your students about that? <laughs> well, I love to share the story of my colleague, Ram Rowe, with them. Um, Ram is a, um, is a scientist of aging. And he's also a, an Ayurvedic uh, 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 expert and a yoga teacher. And when he was a boy in India growing up, his grandfather, and this, this story I believe is in the book and the, on the chapter where we talk about meditation in more detail. But Ram's grandfather took he and his brothers and sisters uh, of all places to the train station in India to learn <laughs> how to meditate. And he sat them on a stack of uh, suitcases and said, Here's where we're going to learn how to do this thing that's going to be very important for you in your life. So I think that's important to keep in mind that it's not about the setting. It's about how you set yourself up no matter what setting you're in. I've certainly meditated in a variety of different settings that most people wouldn't call peaceful or or serene. And the practice is very effective once you learn the basic easy technique of meditating. Mm. I just love that. It really expands, I think, our ability to uh, challenge ourselves to find a, a way of doing it, even if it's not quiet. So I, I, I love yeah. that part. Yeah. You also are very open about helping people find a position to meditate in that works for them, whether seated right. or lying down. And the yes. lying down was the one that I thought was interesting because as we age, you know, some people just can't sit. I mean, it's too, yes. it may be too painful. So mm-hmm. lying down provided, of course, that they don't fall asleep. I mean, that's right. the big thing. That's the big <laughs> risk of lying down. Right. We lie down, we fall asleep. Yes. So for those who can't sit comfortably, even in a chair, uh, what advice do you give about a lying down posture that will help prevent a person from falling asleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that's very simple that you can do is if you elevate your head using a pillow or a folded blanket, so the head is a little higher than the chest, sometimes that provides just enough stimulation to your nervous system that you're more likely to stay awake. So I think that can be helpful as well uh, in, in, in terms of preventing people from falling asleep. And then the other thing is you don't have to close your eyes in order to meditate. 
So you could allow your gut, your eyes to stay gently open and maybe pick a, a, a spot on the ceiling. Maybe you have an interesting ceiling with wood beams or maybe even you put something on the ceiling for your eyes to focus on. And you keep your eyes gently open so that you're, again, less likely to drift off into sleep. So I think those two basic uh, techniques can be very helpful for most people who try the reclining position for a meditation position. I just I just love that. That so again expands the the range of people who then can meditate because mm-hmm. it's a way of meditating even if you can't sit. That's so, right. Most meditation techniques involve choosing an object to focus on. And you discuss several potential objects that you can focus on, such as the breath, Mm -hmm. which I used in the meditation that that I led earlier in the session. Mm -hmm. Or you can focus on a mantra, you know, sound or an image. Mm -hmm. And I particularly enjoyed the three the three step basic meditation instructions that you give and the reason i love it is because you make meditation easy which it is and mm-hmm. it removes some of the mystique that again prevents people from meditating so c- could you review those three steps with oh, us absolutely absolutely so basically the first thing you need to do is just simply commit to remaining physically still for however long you've decided you're going to meditate that day And usually that means you set a timer so that you don't have to worry about the time, right? So maybe you're going to do 10 minutes or 15 minutes, or maybe you're going to be more um, uh, expansive and try to go to 20 minutes. But I really encourage people to, you know, keep it simple. Do 10 minutes at first and then work up from there. So number one, commit to remaining still. Number two, decide on what you're going to focus on. So your everyday mind will get all caught up in other things if you don't actually give it a job. And so you give your everyday mind a job to focus on your breath coming and going or the repetition of a word or a short phrase, as you mentioned, a mantra that you find, you know, particularly uh, helpful in in anchoring your mind. Or uh, I was practicing recently just using a lit candle with my eyes gently open as a focus, right? So it can be quite simple what you choose. And then when you notice that you've gotten distracted, And believe me, everyone listening out there (laughs) is going to get distracted more than once and often many, many times. So this is part of the acknowledgement of the habit of the mind to be very easily distractible. So you just say, you know what, I'm going to notice when I'm distracted and without any judgment, with really kindness towards myself, acknowledging that I'm human just like everybody else, I'm going to guide myself back to my focus. So Pick a focus and keep coming back to it. That's the second step. And then finally, when your timer goes off, end your meditation. Whether it's been difficult or easy, go ahead and stop right there and get on with your day. It's not that time to sit down and go, well, let's uh, let's recap how that meditation went right now. <laughs> the middle was excellent, but it was really crappy at the end. It's just let it go. It's actually the doing of the meditation, not your ranking or your assessment or your judgment about the meditation that is going to have the impact, right? So practice it, do it, and then get on with your day. And what will happen in all likelihood is after a couple of weeks of doing that regularly, you'll start to notice, like Laurel and I have noticed, that you start being different in the world. Subtly, you're less reactive, you're more calm, you have more choices on how you respond to difficulty, uh, you're sleeping better, you're making better choices around your diet. I mean, the list goes on and on about how your meditation may show up in your daily life as a beneficial practice. Oh, that's, that's just so so lovely. I love it. So, you know, uh, choose, a, choose a position and then stay still. Choose a focus, right. return to it, and then last, just when you're done, you're done. And just move on. So, I mean, it can't get much more simple than that. And I, I uh, um, hope that that's been encouraging to some people who maybe are interested in meditation and haven't quite gotten around to having a, a steady meditation practice, or for some who maybe have had it at the in the past and for whatever reason it's fallen away. So, mm-hmm. get people back, you know, back into that good habit of meditation. Very powerful. I'm glad you're emphasizing that. Thanks. So I I also appreciated that you included a chapter on yoga philosophy in the mm. book, uh, particularly focusing on those practices that build equanimity, mm-hmm. which, as we've been discussing, is one of the essential skills that we need as we age. And one of the things that you discuss is this uh, this 
harmlessness, this focus of, uh-huh. of harmlessness or ahimsa is the word in Sanskrit. Uh-huh. And it's one of the ethical principles of yoga, um, which are called the yamas. It's one of the eight, uh, the yamas are one of the eight, um, eight different aspects of yoga. Um, so this harmlessness practice, what mm-hmm. do you see that that contributes to healthy aging? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the strong emotions, if it overrides your everyday life, uh, that gets people into difficulty is anger. Uh, fear that becomes frustration that becomes anger. Um, and, of course, we can see in our society the prevalence of how violence is so impactful for, for people. We now have a whole new study of yoga or a branch of yoga that deals with uh, victims of trauma. And tra- it's called trauma-informed yoga practices. Um, so we know how devastating um, being a victim of or a perpetrator of violence can be for others and for ourselves. We know how anger can lead to all kinds of physical problems over time, including tendencies to have habits that aren't helpful, like over-drinking and substance abuse or um, a, a development of hypertension and heart disease. So, you know, if we can actually work on acknowledging and noticing those moments where we tend to, again, step out of equanimity and are more inclined to causing harm and to uh, actually doing things that are harmful to ourselves and others, uh, if we can catch that and we can choose another route, this is a very powerful tool over time for improving our health. And the other thing that I like to think about is sometimes this uh, this um, yama is defined as nonviolence. I think that if we flip it around and say that we're actually trying to cultivate kindness towards all as its positive reflection. It's not not what I'm not doing, but what I am doing. Um, I think that's another really great philosophical way to plant this seed in our minds of looking for opportunities to be kind and helpful to others as an antidote to the tendency towards uh, being aggressive or violent with other people. And what I really like about what you just said is not only... Um are we talking about our relationship with others? But mm-hmm. you also mentioned our relationship with ourselves. Oh, yes. And so it's not just kindness directed towards others, but it's also that kindness directed toward ourselves. Yes. Um, the ways that we fall short of our own expectations, mm-hmm. as you were mentioning, even with our meditation, we can mm-hmm. be really self-critical, which is not really very helpful. It's another distraction of the mind. Yes. So I love that you're... Um, your description of that, of this um, harmlessness, mm-hmm. or as you said, you know, this practice of, of practicing kindness, um, that it that extends not only to others, but also to ourselves. Yeah, we're often our own worst critic, right? I mean, we all know this probably by now, but we don't need somebody else telling us how we've messed up. We tell ourselves that a lot. And, you know, <laughs> right. you know, once we realize that, we can say, well, that's part of my personality. That is not what, who my essential self is. You know, in yoga, we're trying to peel back some of the conditioning and, a, and the personalities we've developed and say, what's our essential qualities? Is there a feeling that we can be calm and centered and peaceful and we can move from a place of kindness instead of reactivity and jealousy and greed and all these other things that are certainly part of the human experience. But, you know, these traditions actually give us great hope that there's something maybe a little more refined, a little more beautiful that we can actually tap into that's mm-hmm. also equally as, as strongly a part of who we are. Oh, that's just very well said. So, unbelievably, we have come to the <laughs> close of our time together. It's gone no. really fast. I know. Baxter, I feel like you and I could have another whole session <laughs> on other things. Anytime from the you want, Laurel. Anytime um, you want. <laughs> but uh, I did want to give you an opportunity to have the last word. So, in, in closing, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners? I would just encourage everyone listening, uh, if you have not been in the regular practice of doing some of these yoga tools in the, to- in the toolbox we've been talking about, to start simply. Just give yourself 10 minutes uh, the ne- uh, in the next week, a couple times this week, just 10 minutes to try out the tools without any expectations, just the commitment to practicing a little bit. And then let your practice of yoga for healthy aging grow out of that. So start simply, um, have some fun. Uh, start with things that you're interested in and don't worry about the other tools that you're not interested in. And let that be the start of a brand new relationship with yourself that will hopefully keep you healthy much longer than you would have had otherwise. 
Oh, really great. And such good advice in this still relatively young new year. Here we are, and it's a wonderful opportunity to uh, start uh, somewhere and then build your practice. So it's great advice. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing aging with strength and grace with special guest, Dr. Baxter Bell. Baxter is the co-author with Nina Zolotow of the book we've been discussing today, Yoga for Healthy Aging. Baxter is also co-founder and contributing writer for the blog, Yoga for Healthy Aging, and he, you can find out more about him at his website, baxterbell.com. Thank you once again, Baxter, for joining us. Just been delightful. Thank you so much, Laurel. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. You can find out more about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, and as always, Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. ever noticed that when you cheat or lie or don't support a friend and then realize what you've done, an inner alarm goes off? It's a kind of moral wake-up call. You know you've done wrong and you don't feel good about it or about yourself. By experiencing the emotions and accepting the consequences of what we've done, we can begin to accept and change ourselves. When you know you've done wrong, admit the truth, even if it's only to yourself and one other person, perhaps a counselor or minister. Then, if there's a way to make amends, to set the situation right, do so and clear the air. Finally, renew your commitment to live in your own integrity. When you do, you'll benefit with good health, 
good relationships, and self-esteem. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. stillness, come to me. Tens of thousands of listeners, like you, have been transformed through the ministry of Paulette Pipe and her program, Touching the Stillness, one of the longest-running programs on Unity Online Radio. Paulette's latest album of guided meditations, Blissful Stillness, is a new and different experience. The mystical quality of her beautiful voice will reverberate through a Zen-style meditation, a mudra meditation, which are yoga hand positions to deepen your practice, and guided meditations, which we know and love. It features a new instrumental sound by Kelly Hunt with a bonus track by Kathy Zavada. Experience a blissful immersion into quiet and stillness by purchasing your own copy at Shop. Dot unityonline.org Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 